Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined, as usual, by my friends and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan, and Jordan, a.k.a. Texans Thoughts. Um, Guys, how are you guys feeling today? I'm here. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie. I actually thought about not showing up tonight. Like, I didn't want to rewatch this game. I'm a little... A little bummed. I've been attacked on Twitter quite a bit for, you know, ever having a positive thought ever, forever being optimistic. So, yeah, I'm a little down right now. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I think me and Jordan have you covered as far as rewatching the game. So, um, no big deal. Uh, we got you. That's what we're here to do. And, um, yeah, uh, good. How about you, Jordan? How are you? I'm doing good. Um, as good as we can be after another L, but, you know, watching the film, like you said, like, it opened my eyes to some things, and it also disappointed me about some things, and, and we'll get into that, but I'm ready. Okay, awesome. That's great. Uh, I'm going to stop uh, what I'm doing because it is um, echoing back. camera view. Ooh. You have multiple cameras? Is that what I'm saying? I don't know what. what. He's got that new setup. It's looking fresh. All right. Um... I don't know where he went. Oh, and we lost him. What did he do? What did he do? All right, well, until James gets back, how's everyone doing in the chat? <laughs> Hope y'all aren't bummed over the outcome of the game. I know it's it's still early in the season, and obviously none of us want to see an L, but it's early in the season. We did play the two best teams in the conference, arguably the best two in the entire NFL, so I don't think it's time to... Uh, to jump ship whatsoever. Yes, Pat, I know my green screen is just just a green screen. It's not the GOAT. Uh, my lighting went out. One of my lights died, so uh, I'm going to have to get that fixed before next time. But Well, we don't need James for housekeeping because it's a little bit boring. I'm going to go over the most um, – well, of course, visit us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We are so, 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 so close to getting to 1,000 people on YouTube. Please do this so we can name our channel. We would really like to do that. I know a lot of y'all listen to us on the podcast or as a podcast. So we definitely appreciate y'all and I don't want you to stop listening to us as a podcast, but if you can go follow us on YouTube, we need 32 followers. That's nothing. Um, let's see what else about housekeeping. Uh, follow us on Patreon. We have our post-game reactions. They are entertaining. I promise you they are entertaining. Um, there's a lot more cursing. There's a lot more feels. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of tears and you know, it's fun. I strongly, strongly recommend it. Um, and, yeah, just the easiest way to support us, though, is just follow us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, say hi to us. Um, Jordan is one of the best Twitter followers in all of Texans land, so make sure you follow him if you do not. Uh, James can be when he's here. There he is. I have no idea. Hey. What the- <laughs> uh, I had airplay going so I could watch the game, but also, yeah, it's just a long story, but the roadcaster didn't pick up. Anyways, what I missed? I'm sorry about that. I just blew through um, all the, you know, beginning of the show stuff. We are down to housekeeping, house cleaning, housekeeping. I don't know what you call it. Um, that's the two new wide receivers on the practice squad. That's what I was leading into when you had popped in. Do we want to talk about talk about them? Do we care? I think the biggest thing out of this is Kiki's still around, at least for today. Um, anything else? 
Do we really care, or do we just want to kind of get through it? Uh, nope. Do you, do you not care, Jordan? I couldn't care less about the sixth and seventh. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, the only thought I have on it is that maybe there's a chance that uh, that we're going to change some things up here in the next couple weeks. I don't expect it to be this week, but uh, maybe on returns just to give it a boost. But uh, Just based on the signings, if anything, it would be, I think, DeAndre and Kiki, but got to watch their bats, if anything. Yeah, maybe. Um, outside of that, uh, I don't really have any other thoughts. Uh, see, two now. Okay, so initial impressions. Um, this was left blank on the sheet for a reason. Yeah, no, I think I think it's I think having it blank is great. I don't want us to script this, and I want to talk about you know what we need to talk about. Um, you know, I think the you know I guess I'll preface it by saying that nobody expected to win this game initially. I will say that. Uh, I think we all picked this game as a loss when the schedule came out, and then we also doubled down on it, I think, two weeks ago when we went through what we thought the record would be. Uh, so not surprised. Uh, expected more from the offense, which we didn't get. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i not down. I'm not, you know, I'm not down. I, I didn't expect this. To, I, like, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't really have any expectations for this game. I expected to see some improvements, and I thought we did see some. Maybe not in the area that we wanted to see them in. Um, you know, before we started, when we were doing our, our hangouts, you know, coming into the season, and I think, Jordan, you can attest to this, the biggest concern we had about this team was the defense. We literally, that was the one thing we talked about every single week that we feared would not be good. And it's not great, but, man, there are signs of, of life. There's there's reasons to be optimistic. I mean, you held the Baltimore Ravens to, what, 26 points uh, on defense. So, you know, I, I guess we'll start there. Let's start with the, with the positive sides. The defense looked really good. J.J. Watt got going. Uh, Jacob Martin didn't register a sack, but, man, he made his, he, he made you know, his presence known on the field. Uh, Charles Amen, he looked good. Uh, the defensive line just looked good in general. Um, I really liked the, like the linebacker stepped up. BMAC and Zach did look good. Uh, they had some, you know, moments, but they did look good. Um, so, yeah, I think the defense definitely uh, surprised some people. Uh, they contained Lamar for the best that you could really contain Lamar, uh, given our personnel. Because from a personnel standpoint, I did not think this was a good matchup for us. We're not fast in any area, um, and, except for Jacob Martin and Zach when he wants to be. But uh, overall, my impressions of the defense, the defense looked good. And uh, I, I am very surprised at the results of the defense. They gave every opportunity the offense needed to be in this game. The offense just didn't answer. And I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Jordan. Yeah, you, you covered most of what I was going to say. I think just a couple things. P.J. Hall, mm. he was kind of a star, and he's been this kind of hidden gem. I don't know what it is about Bill O'Brien and, and picking these Raiders players off their roster and, and kind of turning them around, but – he, he seems to fit our scheme better. He's playing with fire. He's playing with energy. He was constantly disrupting the run game, and he was even making waves in the passing game, collapsing the pocket. He helped out, um, helped generate a sack for Watt. He helped out. Um, he pressured some. He pressured Lamar, and then Marcellus was out there, and he tried to bring him down. But I really like what we got with P.J. Hall. And the thing about him I also really like is that Weaver is showing the willingness to reward his guys who are balling out. P.J. Hall played limited snaps against Chiefs. Whenever he played, he played really well. They upped his snaps a whole lot um, this game, so that's really great. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on, which you kind of did, is the defense, I believe they only held them to two touchdowns. Then the offense gave up that fumble six, and then the rest are field goals. 
And so the red zone defense is something that Bill O'Brien and something that Anthony Weaver talked about wanting to improve because it's been horrible for the past probably five years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they did a much better job at that, um, closing the field when it got when it got shrunk, bending but not breaking. And then the last thing I liked is is their third down defense. I believe they held the Ravens to five out of fourteen, which is like thirty five percent below their season averages. Um, and we really got to see Weaver's blitzes. The run defense was better from week one. The tackling was better. Not where we want it still, but still a good step up. Um, and so, yeah, that forced them into more third and longs, and we were able to capitalize with the blitzes that Weaver has been killing it with. And, yeah, definitely I'm, I'm with you. They, the defense is it's a shock, but it's a positive shock. And the thing is that there's still room for more growth. Um, and I'm excited to see if we if we make some certain personnel decisions, um, this defense can really, really go through the roof, I think. Yeah, and that's all with Conley not playing yet. Which I forgot if, to mention that if he's get, if he if he comes back 100 percent healthy, then I feel even better. Yeah, really quick on that, he can kind of take it to the next level because the one problem that I am seeing with us is the nickel position. Yep. So in the first game, Jay Reed played it at first, then John Reed played nickel. Now this game, it was almost essentially Eric Murray, almost essentially the entire game. And while he didn't really get exposed too much, there were some times where his guy was open and Lamar just couldn't find him. And I, I'm not too confident in that. And I've said it from the beginning. Bradley Roby is the best nickel cornerback on our team. I believe he's a top five nickel cornerback. And so if Conley comes back, I want him on the outside. I want Roby to go back onto the, into the slot. And Lonnie, which I guess we'll get to later, but Lonnie ideally is my outside cornerback. And, and that's how I still see it. And that can really take the defense to the next level. Well, and, and we'll get into the Lonnie stuff, but... I, I do think that there's a chance that he's a safety right now. I don't think that he's safety long-term. I know that they said they like him as a safety, um, but I still think there's a chance that he plays outside. I don't expect him to just play solely safety. John, what are your thoughts on the defense and kind of what you saw? You sat on my couch. We watched it. We had fajitas. We cried. We held each other's hands. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the defense? Well, overall, I think the defense kind of got screwed. Um, they – the Ravens essentially scored 21 points on the offense between the two turnovers and the fourth and one within, what was it, the 36-yard line. So there you go. You just spotted the defense 21 points. What do you expect from them? 21 points, and the Ravens only scored 33 points. So maybe 12 all-field goals essentially were on the defense themselves. And we knew the narrative coming out outside the game was, oh, the Texans defense just couldn't hang with the high-powered Ravens, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, it was the defense that, you know, we had all of our concerns about. Like, we had a lot of concerns about them. And this game was not on the defense, not at all. If you had told me that our defense was going to play like this, there's no way I'd, I think we lose. No way. The defense played fantastic. And then there's a couple, I mean, there's there's some gripes we can have. Um, PJ Hall, Jacob Martin, JJ Watt all need to be on the same, on the field at the same time more often. Um, what you were saying about Eric Murray versus John Reed, I think that's just a, it's just the nature of the type of receivers the Ravens had versus the Chiefs. I think when they need more speed, they'll have Reed out there. When they want somebody to kind of be more of a sure tackler, they're going to have Murray out there because he can kind of help in the run game. And I think that's more or less why, because he also was watching, uh, Jackson at times. So, we can nitpick at the defense, but the defense was absolutely fantastic. I mean, that was – I couldn't have asked for them to play that well. If they had played three-quarters of that, 
that's I would have thought I was being greedy. Like the defense did fantastic. I am not mad at them. One more thing on the defense. Um, like you said, like if they could play three quarters of that, or sorry, I think you meant four quarters, but no, because they quarters, did play like three quarters of it. Like this was a ninety percent of like ninety ninety percent percentile performance from the defense against them. If we had gotten a seventy percent oh, sure. percentile, like their top, uh, what they can do, like their top seventy percent games, I would have been happy. And we got our probably like I don't know if our defense can play at this level all year, but if they can. Dude, you may be onto something about Weaver. Yeah. Oh, so what I was saying about three quarters versus four quarters, I meant like three quarters, the defense looked stellar. That fourth quarter, that's when it all blew up. And because the offense, like, they couldn't sustain drives, they were just constantly turning over. And so they were gassed. Like, I, I saw a lot of defenders' hands on the hips, and, and so that's why that was happening. Um, but, yeah, Weaver, he's the truth. And he's kind of showing, like, the two ends of the spectrum of what, you, what you're dealing with with rookie coordinators. You can get a Weaver who is – really has his team ready to play, really scheming up well. Or you can get a Tim Kelly, and, and you know, we're not going to have our final verdict on him just yet. It's still early, but you can say that he doesn't have the offense as as prepared as the defense with Weaver. Now, let me ask you guys this, since we brought it up. Whose job do you think is easier, Tim Kelly's or Anthony Weaver's? Weaver's. Um, and I just talked about that because of the uh, – so t- tell me why you think that. Yeah, just because of the situation. I think that Bill O'Brien still messes with Tim Kelly. I think Weaver, he has his own ship. He's got – and, you know, Rack knows how to keep his hands off things. Like, he's developed. But personnel-wise, Kelly has the better players. But I think Weaver has the better situation just from, you know, like a management standpoint. Yeah, see, that's what, see, that's what I was going to say is I believe Weaver has a tougher – job because he has the lack of talent and I'm all over scheme over team but that only works to a certain extent he's not out there tackling he's not out there covering there's only so much he can do but Tim Kelly he has all the investments of the offense there's no excuses from personnel wise as to why the offense is playing this bad and it's on play calling and I'm I'm 100% with you we don't know how much how much control he has how much Bill O'Brien has taken over we don't know that and so from that standpoint, I get where you come from, but I'd still say Weaver has a tougher job, and, and he's done more with less. Yeah, so I, that's kind of where I was going to go, Jordan, is just the fact when you look at the talent on the defense compared to the talent on the offense, uh, it really is it's one-sided. Um, you know, you do have J.J. Watt, but then outside of that, you have a bunch of guys that really nobody knows about, right? Uh, you have Zach and then, you know, Roby. You, know, you don't have Conley right now, but then you have Charles Amini, Brandon Dunn. Like, you have guys that are, um, you know, somewhat average by league standards. And then when you look at the offense, you have, you know, Jordan Akins. Yeah, I started there for a reason. You have uh, Brandon Cooks. You have, De- you have Deshaun Watson at quarterback. You have, you know, Will Fuller. You have David Johnson. You have Duke Johnson. You have Titus Howard. You have Laramie Tunsil. Like, you have players that you should be able to scheme around. And it should be a lot easier. Um, but when you look at Weaver, I mean, Weaver really, look, I don't, I'm not going to be the guy that says, I know you got blasted for this, Jordan. And it was funny because you shouldn't have. But when you said that, you know, you could see Weaver being the next, being a head coach. And through two weeks, I don't see how you couldn't make that argument. Now, nobody's going to hire somebody based off of two weeks of performance. But what this guy has put together there hasn't. What is the biggest? What is the longest play that he has given up outside of the Ingram fourth and one touchdown? 
I don't know. The defense has looked. Yeah, there has. But they haven't been attacking us deep, and that's one thing that our defense is always going to take me away. And when I talked about that, when I talked about Weaver being a head coach, I wasn't talking about right now. I'm projecting in the future. Like I don't know. I didn't even realize I got blasted for that, but I, I can see his future. I, I feel like his future is very bright, and that's that's all I was saying. Yeah, I, and I I knew that. I knew that. Um, I just it's just you know Twitter's Twitter. People will quote tweet and do whatever. But um, anyways, uh, so yeah, I think Tim Kelly has it hell of a lot easier. And if he's a man, this is just me. But if he's a man and Bill O'Brien is not letting him run his offense then Tim Kelly needs to stand up and say, let me run my offense, or you can just take it over, and I'm going to find another position. Because his name is written all over this offense. It's his – the perception is this is his offense. And I think he has no excuse for there to be a bad offensive showing every week. That's just me. That's just me. Um, No, I'm in in complete agreement with you, and that's one of the things that we kind of talk about the offense a little bit more that I want to bring up. Like, right now, Tim Kelly, dude, you are definitely showing how green you are. Um, That comment he made over the offseason about, well, I'm very glad that Deshaun has another quarterback in TJ Yates to go talk to because I play defensive line. Like, he's – kind of acting like that. He's acting like a B.O.B. clone, and he's got to start making adjustments. And the other thing, a lot of it, though, I mean, play calling is an issue, but the players aren't executing. There's a lot of little mistakes just here and there that are just absolutely killing. And it's tiny things, and everything just kind of snowballs. This is a, this is death to our offense by a thousand cuts. And with what's been invested on our offense, they should be better. They should be a lot better, and this is what's – maybe we'll see something. This is where we're going to find out what type of coach Tim Kelly is. Like, I mean, he's coming in like a rookie coordinator. He absolutely is. This is what you kind of expect out of rookie coordinators. It takes a couple of games for them to get their their footing, their, and then we throw them definitely in the deep end with the type of teams that they have to play. So I don't want to throw him out yet, but I'm, I'm not happy with him. I'm beyond pissed. I mean, if he was an employee of mine, me and him would be having a very long conversation. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get to the defense. Uh, we we kind of left at Eric Murray. Uh, Jordan on film. He you know he didn't look lost. He didn't look like he was a um, like a sore, sticking out like a sore thumb. Uh, he, he he did okay. Uh, I do think that that's an area that we can upgrade on in the slot. Is you know especially with Roby. But I was kind of surprised by the play of Murray in the slot. To be honest with you, given given the personnel and what and the offense that we were going up against, he kind of surprised me. Yeah, so when I when I watched his Cleveland tape and his Chiefs tape, the, the one thing that stuck out is his versatility. He can play anywhere in the secondary except for outside corner, literally anywhere. And when he went to the Browns, he pride, predominantly played nickel, and he held up. Am I frozen? Are you all frozen? No. I can't tell. Um, no, frozen. Oh, James is frozen. Okay. Um, and, he, and he held up in the nickel, and um, I think with him, he's the thing, the thing is I don't – the only thing is I don't like about – Murray is he's not good on tight ends, but he can do everything else. He may not be like you said, like John said, like the fastest dude on some of these nickel guys, but he can definitely hold his own. And and James said perfectly, like he's just not going to be a, a liability. And I hear I see a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh, Murray's trash. Like Murray's not doing anything." The, none of the safeties are really doing anything per se. They're not big time playmakers, but they're guys who play within their role and just know how to do that, know how to do their job, and know how to not be be um, exposed. So if you're not seeing the the safeties, if you're not seeing them call their name or whatever, like that's a good thing. You don't want to have to be calling the name. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. 
Um, all right, so Jacob Martin. Well, actually, this is a good one. Where is Dylan Cole, by the way? Before we get to Jacob Martin, um, he was active, right? Yeah, but I have not. I have not seen this. Is it just me, or has he not played the snap? He hasn't played a snap. I don't even know he about the snap. He must still be. Yeah, still injured. Working himself back from that ACL tear. That's the only thing I can think of. The other thing I can think of, and this kind of goes with Grenard as well, is because they have missed time with the injuries, maybe they're not all up to speed with the playbook and not up to Weaver's level of comfortability with that. That could be the only other thing. But it's probably also still a lingering injury. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to Jacob Martin. Uh, what's the snap count, Jordan? And did you update your tweet? Uh, I think I did upgrade, update, update my tweet. I don't remember the exact number, but I, I'm pretty sure it was, it was either 31 or 34% of the snaps. That's what he got up 37, there you go. 37. Scarlett somehow played 63%. Jacob Martin played 37. I don't understand that. Inexcusable. And that's your boy, Weaver. That's your boy. Yeah, that is the one thing that I was talking about personnel-wise that he can do. Um, Time for a little mini rant. So the, the only reason we heard last year Jacob Martin not getting on the field is he can't play run defense. He can't do it, right? Apparently he can't do it. He's, he's all speed. He's all finesse. Can't play the run, right? He showed this game that he can play the run. He can play the hell out of the run. It doesn't matter if you throw one or two blockers at him. The very first play that you saw in the run, they threw two blockers pulling at him. He dips under both of them, squeezes it, and he makes a tackle. Yeah, it's a risky play. Maybe you want to have outside contained, but hey, he made that damn play. Later in the game, I see the exact same thing that Brennan Scarlett has to do. He has to deal with two pullers on the exact type of play. He beats the first one, and then he gets pushed way down the field by a fullback. And then it was, who was it? J.K. Dobbins had a huge, it was either J.K. Dobbins or Gus Edwards, but they had a huge run. Is that me or? That's Jordan. Okay. I was like, I'm connected. Uh, I'm just going to finish this thought for him. (laughs) Jacob Martin was out there for 37% of the snaps, and he got two tackles. Scarlett was out there for 63% of the snaps and got one tackle. I mean, let's – Jacob Martin has an impact on the game. There's no excuse for him not getting more snaps. There absolutely is not a single excuse. And Weaver has shown a lot, but this is one of those things that we – I wonder what we're not seeing because I want want an actual coach on the Texans staff to actually point out and say this is why Jacob Martin – does not get the snaps because if you look anywhere, if you watch the film, if you look at the scoreboard, if you look at any of the counting snaps, any of the next gen snaps, every single stat out there, Jacob Martin makes a positive impact. Why is he not on the field more? Yeah. Uh, Jordan, finish up because you froze for a second there. Yeah. All right. We we did the Scarlet stuff. Um, you even went to the box score stuff, which I was going to do. I'm not a huge box score guy. I'm not. But even I, I'm with you on this. I'm going to use it. He had two tackles. He had – one hurry where he forced Lamar out the pocket, scrambled to the left. He had that other hurry where he forced Lamar up into the pocket and got sacked by Omenhu. That stuff doesn't show up on this box score. That's fine. Brendan Scarlett is one person. Whitney Merciless is the other. And that is the bigger conversation that we have to have. If we want to talk stats, that's all Whitney Merciless was about last year. You could point to his box score stats, first five games. Wow, he's defensive player of the year. Go look up the box score of this game. Go try and find Whitney Merciless. Hit your command F. Search Whitney Merciless. You can't find his name. You can't find his name because he's not in the box score. He didn't do a single damn thing all game. How? He played, what, 70-something percent of the snaps? Yep. He was MIA two games in a row. And I get that he's going up against a good left tackle, 
but come on, we're paying him $54 million. You got to be able to produce against more than just damn backups. And that's what he did last year. And it's just, it's carrying on. He, he I'm sorry, but he doesn't have it anymore. I hate to go this negative, but it's the truth. That's what I'm seeing. Start Martin. That's, that's my rant. Not that's not negative. I, I, here's what I think is happening. I, or this is just speculation, but we saw an increase in snaps. I think we'll see another increase in snaps this week. And then I think eventually we're going to see Brennan Scarlett out of the picture. And then I think come by week, I think there's going to be another conversation had. I think they're going to give Whitney time to lose this spot. I don't expect they're, – they're not going to do it immediately. That's just not how it works, at least in this organization. In competitive organizations that want to win, the best guy that – the best player plays. It's just the way it works. Uh, but here we're very character-driven, very – you know, that's just who we are. Um but I do think that – I think we're heading towards that direction. I do think that we'll see the conversation to, you know, had. It's just a matter of when and is it going to be too late, right? Like that's a big thing for me. Is it going to be too late? And that's the issue I have with the entire Jacob Martin, Whitney Merciless aspect of this conversation. I don't think you're being negative. I think you're being honest. There's really nothing else you can say. Merciless is MIA. He's been MIA, you know, I'm not going to quote tweet the the lead Houston, you know, on Twitter for that, that ta- because they tagged Merck in it. I'm not going to be that guy. That's just not who I am. Um, the milk carton was funny, though, and they're 100% correct. Whitney Merciless does not exist, in my opinion, based on the last two games. And if you have somebody that can play better and make more of an impact, which we've seen in limited snaps, there is no reason – for that person to not have more of a role on defense. So let's hope that it's Scarlet and then it's Wit. But I do think we're headed towards the Scarlet aspect because Scarlet had a dip in snaps this week too. So, um, but that's just kind of my thought. Let's get to Justin Reed, who I thought had his best game in probably since his rookie year, to be honest with you. He had some great games last year. He had some great moments. This was a complete game by Justin Reed, in my opinion. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways from week one is Where's the tackle on that, right? And Justin Reed was a big culprit of that. And this game, I was surprised by how quickly he turned it around. But damn, like that, it was night and day. I don't, I don't remember him missing a tackle this game. And it was, and he made clutch play after clutch play. There was that one where um, Lamar, he was scrambling out to the right, and Jay Reed has a blocker. He's got one hand on him, and he just reaches the other arm out and drags down Lamar Jackson a yard short of the line. That was amazing. Um, I thought, yeah, like you said, he had a hell of a game. He was playing all over single high in the box. He was he was just kind of flawless, to be honest. I don't think he got targeted in the passing game. Um, Mark Andrews didn't really even have a day. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I think Justin Reed had a great game. Yeah. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on, on Jay Reed? That's the Justin Reed we thought we were expecting, you know, last week. Ten tackles. He did everything. He was everywhere. He was what we needed him to be. I'm beginning to believe that the defense may go the way that Justin Reed goes. When he shows up, the defense is, is going to be good because he's just, I don't know. I'm one of those believers that the safety position is more valuable than a lot of NFL coaches are apparently based on salary. Cause I think a solid free safety or solid rotational safety, however you want to put it. Um, the guy commanding the back of the defense that cleans up all the tackles that, is there for the double teams on on coverage, that is there when everybody else misses, literally the safety. They keep the defense in shape. 
And Justin Reed, yeah, I think that he was probably the number one reason why we looked as – maybe not number one, but maybe 1A or why our defense looked so good. And I'm sure we're going to transition into this, but 1B on that, you don't want to say it. J.J. Watt? Yeah. Oh, J.J. Watt was hella disruptive. It's like he's back between J.J. and P.J. Hall. Like our our defensive line was getting so much push. P.J. Hall was consistently collapsing the pocket. He and J.J. are a, a great duo. We gotta figure out some merch for P.J. J.J. Some I don't know, um, but yeah, J.J. Like I said last week, like yeah, he didn't show up against the Chiefs. That's fine. That's who J.J. is. He he always starts slow. It'll take him some time. Um, what I, I like, his his two sacks were huge. And they were up against a good tackles as well in Orlando Brown and um, Ronnie Stanley. So there should be no um, concern about J.J. Watt. He's washed, whatever. Like, whenever he is on the field, he is an elite defensive player of the year caliber dude. And we need him to continually show up. And I hope that's what we get for the rest of the season. I hope he stays healthy. Honestly, yeah. if P.J. Hall continues to play with that, J.J. is the one that's going to benefit the most. Yeah, like no, for sure. going to free up and push J.J. into maybe not the stratosphere like where J.J. used to be, but just the way that they balance each other out, like that was something to watch. And yeah, I just agree. need to put Martin out there with them. I, I know I'm hard on, on J.J. Uh, Cody, I'll never give him an apology, especially after the way he blasted a rookie, uh, calling a rookie selfish, in my opinion, when you've been selfish for the last four years freelancing. Um, I thought that was a very bad choice of words, in my opinion, for a rookie. I think you should have had that conversation in the locker room. You should have said you were disappointed in the press conference, and that's where it should have ended. You should not have said that that player is selfish when you've made your entire career freelancing and hurting the defense. That's just my opinion. So because of that, he won't get an apology. But, yes, when he is on the field and he is dialed in and he is playing at the level that we saw on, on Sunday – he is one of – he's still – I even said it when we talked – when I was on a Baltimore podcast last week, and I'll continue to say it. He's still a top five, potentially top seven defensive end in this league when he's at the top of his game. Last year, through week seven, he was a defensive player of the year candidate. There was nobody – I honestly, Aaron Donald was great. There was not a better player on the field on defense than J.J. Watt, and he ended up finishing still top five in pressures. So um, J.J. is great. But I am never, ever going to apologize to J.J. because I, I'm not a fan of who J.J. is as a person. And the Ross Blacklock stuff really pissed me off and really showed me a lot about J.J.'s character. So, I mean, am I wrong? You guys can agree, disagree. You, I, I mean, I'd love to He uses the same language that I've heard 100 coaches say. Um, anytime yeah. that He's a player. Anytime that somebody gets into a fight, that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. That's a selfish play whenever you get in a fight. Now, do I think that it was mature of JJ to say it? No, I think that if he should have pulled, I think he should have pl- pulled uh, Blacklock to the side in the locker room and had that conversation with him, and not over the media. The worst um, thing but, is he said he did. That's the problem I have. You already did that, so why are you? He said in the press conference that he talked to Ross. So why are you coming up here on the podium and addressing it? That's a problem. That's not okay. Yeah, that point is just kind of more like, oh, hey, I'm I, look at me, I'm the I'm the leader, I'm I'm helping this team out. Like when you're 
when you're really not doing that. You that's exactly it, and that's the problem I have. It's false, just like everything else JJ has been off the field. That's my problem. That's the issue I have, is it was a moment for him to shine and look like a guy who's going to hold the locker room together and all these things, yet you're, we still have to have Whitney Merciless in our locker room because he's the actual leader in the locker room. So that speaks more to me about Whit than JJ. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but JJ was great. JJ was great. But Watt was lame, and I don't like. I just don't like lames. Um, all right. Uh, what else on defense? You know what's what? Uh, Bradley Roby over the last two weeks has really had stellar games. If you look at if you look at the if you look at just unfortunately you're going to have to look at stats because these people aren't all watching film. Jordan, if you look at the stats when covering Tyreek Hill and when covering Marquise Brown, I think he's only given up like 55 yards in in two games total. I think he's only allowed four target or four four receptions. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but if that if that's what it is, that's insane. Um, I think I did read it like against Marquise Hollywood Brown. This game was I was either two or three catches for like thirty yards, something like that. So that's really great. Um, I think what we're starting to see. What's interesting with these two wide receivers in particular, to kind of talking matchup wise, is they like to put them in the slot. Even though Roby is an outside corner technically, he's following these guys into the slot. And so that's kind of pushing everyone kind of out of place. That's why you're seeing Bernard Hargraves outside majority of the time. And so now even we're going to see the same thing. Someone said it in the chat, but next week against Juju Smith and the Steelers, same thing. Roby's going to go in to shade him. We're going to see how he does against him. He should be able to lock him down yet again because, like I said, Roby is a top five nickel cornerback. It's easy. I love that about him, and uh, that's huge because that's what that's what offenses are all doing nowadays. That's what we did with Nuke. Put put your best wide receiver in the slot. So we got someone to combat that, and that's huge. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's talk about Lonnie playing safety. Uh, I think this is a sore subject. I've been saying that he should play safety, but I said that they should have done that when they drafted him. I didn't want them to play him a year at corner and then make the decision to do it. Because all that does, it's, it's ass backwards, right? You're going to play corner, but then we're going to move you to safety. It should have been, we're going to put you at safety, and then that's where you're going to play. Um, I like Lonnie as safety because I think that that's where his future is based on the, his style of play. Everything in front of him is, it, that's he plays better when everything is in front of him. Um, but the dude worked all offseason to correct the issues that he needed to correct as a corner. What he did in the offseason does not impact a lot of what he will be doing at safety. Um, I'm hoping that, like I said earlier, I'm hoping that this is more of like once Conley comes back, maybe we see him kind of go back outside and, you know, we'll see Eric pl- drop back into safety and, and, and Justin Reed play safety. Maybe that'll be the case. A lot of guessing at this point. Uh, but, you know, John, we, we, you know, I think they learned with Kareem Jackson, hey, we, we got to move him to safety. Late. They learned that later in his career. Well, and it's I, one of, it's one of those things now, that, Saying that, hey, we need to we learn need to learn from that situation. We need to put a guy that we think has the characteristics of a safety now, instead of waiting further on down his career. Well, it's one of those situations, and we've kind of talked about it before, where Lonnie Johnson could potentially fell into being a safety. The problem with when you fell into becoming a safety, you don't really develop from being a safety back into a corner because you learn to play everything in front of you. Whereas the part that most cornerbacks really struggle with in the NFL is tracking the ball, tracking the receiver, all those little like nuances, nuances, watching where the receiver turns his head, um, getting into his blind spot, things like that, that he needs to work on that he can only work on by playing corner. He won't be able to do that as a safety. 
Now, granted, I think that he has the skills and the physical build and just the attitude to play top-notch safety. Like, I don't think that he's going to be a bad safety, and I don't necessarily believe that this is a bad move. It's a very common move if somebody can't play corner to move him to safety. And if they've already recognized that, then they've already recognized that. It's just concerning to me because they're saying that he can't play corner if they're doing it this soon that heavily. Now, if it's just rotational, we'll see. But there's a lot of things about playing the corner that he has to play the corner in order to develop. I think he can play corner, but I'm going to give this to Jordan because I know he's, he's got some thoughts on it. But I, I do think Lonnie can play corner. I don't I think, do too. That's why I'm concerned. I don't think we've given him an opportunity to play corner. Uh, and that's that's the issue I have with this. But at the end of the day, you know, what's best for Lonnie for his future is to play one position. So if they've decided that safety is that position, then let that be it, and let's not move him back and forth anymore. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, this is um, – so I got a lot – I didn't realize how much I've got to talk about this. But first of all, first thing I like don't like is cornerbacks – we've talked about this all the time. Cornerbacks take the longest to develop. Look at the rookies cornerbacks last year. There was not a good one. You look at the one guy who was in the first round, DeAndre Breaker, he's up the league. He got arrested. Look at the other guys who drafted ahead of Lonnie. There's not a good one. Who had a good rookie season? I can name one dude from the Bucks, Sean Bunting, who I love, but he honestly had a good season. Other than that, rookie cornerbacks don't do well. And I don't like the Texans just throwing a quote-unquote to draft experts. They say that Lonnie's a developmental cornerback, and I, and I kind of agree with that. I don't like throwing a de- developmental cornerback to the fire starting right away. You're just putting him in a position to fail. And so he got burnt by that, and the next step is he's got to learn from it. Okay. He goes through the entire offseason. He's putting in the work. He's putting in the work to play cornerback. Like James said, those skills are translating to cornerback, not necessarily safety. And then what are you going to do? You're going to throw him back to safety? I don't know if it's a miscommunication or what. Like, did they not tell him the plan where they wanted to play him before? What is, like, I don't know what's going on. But this is a theme with the Texans that maybe they kind of value versatility over other things. We see, I saw like one big example is with the offensive line. We look at Titus and Sharping. Oh, yeah, they can play all over the line. Great. All five positions. So all throughout training camp, they're playing guard, tackle, whatever, even center. And it didn't, like, set them up for success because they're not playing the positions that they can play for the future. And so I don't like that one. Another one is, like, Martinez Rankin. Like, they drafted him as a tackle, and they just moved him around a couple times. And they've done this all throughout Bill O'Brien's time is, is messing around with players' positions. And like James said, The thing is that they're going back and forth and back and forth and putting too much on their plate to learn. Let them learn one position at a time. I say try Lonnie a corner. Give him at least two years. You cannot give up on a corner after one year. Like he, that's just insane to me. Um, I so like I think I'm with both of y'all. Like I don't hate the idea of the move. I hate the timing of the move. You do this three to four years down the road, that's completely fine. And like you said, it's the KJAX thing. They're kind of going from different extremes, though. The KJAX thing took way too long for them to figure out. This one, they're like, oh, let's not make the same mistakes, so let's do it right away. That, it's, that's not how it works. You have to still give each player time because each player is different in their development um, arc. I will say this, though. We don't know if Lonnie went to Bill and said, I'd actually like to play safety. Everything we see out of Lonnie on Twitter is, is he's positive about it. He's like, I'm a DV. I'm not a cornerback, not a safety. He's down right. for it. So, you're right. And this uh, yeah. may not have been a Bill O'Brien thing. This may have been a Weaver thing. Weaver's a defensive lineman. 
he may have looked at Lonnie and saw that attitude and go, we need that attitude on the field. I don't care how we get that attitude on the field. We need that attitude on the field. Possible. It's possible. I mean, when you have two dogs at safety, I mean, look, I, I do think, I think long-term it is a better move for Lonnie. I think he'll have more success as a safety in the NFL than he will at corner. But that's just based off of what we've seen and his characteristics and the way he plays the game. I think it fits. Sure tackler, not scared of the big hit. Will play physical whenever he needs to. Had no problem playing Kelsey in the in week six of last year. Was able to get physical with him off the line. I think that they saw that, and I think they wanted to see if that is something they can do full time. I agree with Jordan though that it's really a, it's the extreme aspect. It's it's year one of corner, and now it's okay. Year two is safety. Now, if Lonnie turns into a, you know a Pro Bowl safety and ends up playing fine, that's great. But the bigger issue I have with Lonnie playing safety is the fact that my guy, A.J. Moore, is now, now – what's his role look like? Because, I, Jordan, I know you know this because you watched the film. A.J. Moore was flying around in Baltimore. A.J. Moore is a hell of a player. He's one of the most – he might be the most athletic DB on the team. He can do a whole lot. Against the Chiefs, they played him as a dime linebacker, and he shut down Clyde Edwards' layer in the passing game. I think he was targeted twice, had – I don't think he had any catches, actually. Um, and this game, I I haven't been watching the secondary too much for this uh, on this All-22, so I can't give you a, a perfect explanation of everything because I've been so busy. But I I believe you when you say, like, A.J. Moore is flying around because he's that dude, and um, I'm really excited to see him play more. I think that's another thing, my issue with Lonnie at safety. Lonnie, so it, it impacts three guys. It impacts Lonnie, it impacts Vernon Hargraves, and it impacts A.J. Moore. If... Lonnie is not starting at outside cornerback over Vernon Hargraves. You got a downgrade right there. Vernon Hargraves is not the type of outside corner that Lonnie is, and that's not even saying that much because Lonnie's not even that great from what we saw as a rookie cornerback, right? That's number problem number one. Problem number two is that if if Lonnie Johnson is starting at safety, that means that knocks AJ Moore out, and AJ Moore is a hell of a safety, like we've been saying. And so I think you have a downgrade at outside corner, and you also have a downgrade at safety. Now, that's not to say that Lonnie can't get better at safety. Obviously, that's the goal, and obviously he has a very high potential because he's a freak athlete. He's got all great dimensions. But as of right now, that's that's how I kind of see that situation. Yeah, you know, and it also brings in a question, like, when Conley comes back, where does Eric Murray play if Roby goes to the slot? If Lonnie plays safety, got Justin Reed lined up at safety. I prefer – I like Eric Murray. I'm not saying that he's a bad player, but I would prefer A.J. Moore to get more snaps than Eric Murray, to be honest with you. Um, so where does it all fit in? And that's that's the issue I have. That's that's really the big – how does this puzzle piece fit together? Luckily for us through two weeks, I have a really good feeling that we'll know in the next two to three weeks how Weaver's going to line this up because from a personnel perspective with Anthony Weaver, I honestly, outside of starting Jacob Martin over Whitney Merciless, which – that might be a decision above his pay grade. Um, Personnel-wise, he's done nothing but impress me, and so I know that there's a there's a there's the, how I know the puzzle will be put together. I guess I just don't know how, and that's the part that leaves us guessing. That's probably the biggest problem I have. Yeah, that's a great point about the decision to benchmark being above his pay grade. Because if you think about it. From a locker room aspect, you you bench your quote unquote locker room leader. Guys are gonna be pissed off. Guys are definitely gonna be pissed off. Yeah, you cut out again, Jordan. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you can't you can't 
that's just not a move that Whitney, that Anthony Weaver can make, and that's just it, it sucks. And, but I also think that he can make a case. And look, I'll tell you this: Anthony Weaver is a very well-spoken, very driven man. When he talks, people listen. So I'm assuming he's building a case. He, he's taking stats, he's showing film, he's doing everything that he can to build a case for Jacob Martin. And I think eventually that that decision will be made. It's going to be a tough one. It'll be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people within that organization. You can't trade Witt unless you give up a draft pick with it. It's going to be very similar to Brock Osweiler. Uh, you have to ask yourself, would you rather have a second or third round pick or would you rather have $27 million? Um, I'd actually rather have the $27 million, uh, but that's just me. Um, but, yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to the offense uh, because we, we've talked for 45 minutes about the defense uh, but before we do that, let's get to – all right, uh, offense-wise. This is – this is Jordan, this is the conversation we're going to have. We already know where it's going to go. We know that we, we disagree a little bit. Uh, and, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to hear your thoughts on this as well because you're really going to have to be the judge and jury. Um, the offense did not show up. As a whole, I will say that. The offensive line looked bad. Uh, Titus Howard looked better. I will say that. Titus Howard on film, through the broadcast, Titus Howard did not look good. I, I just thought that he was giving. But then on film, Titus Howard looked fine. He stonewalled Matt Judon like three times. Um, offensive line was not good. Zach Fulton, you know, it's funny. I, I was trying all year that, you know, trying to defend Zach Fulton, saying, you know, he's playing with Roderick. He was playing with Chris Clark. I don't really know how he can be better. Now he's playing with Titus full-time, and he's really taking a step back. Nick Martin has been eh at times. You know, he hasn't been the Nick Martin of last year. And then up until last week, or up until this last game, Max Sharping has was fine against the Chiefs and then just kind of had a kind of had a bad showing. Um, and then Larry Tunsil was fine. Um, the offensive line, I guess let's start there. Sean, what are your, what are your issues with, with the offensive line and kind of your thoughts? So, oh, sorry, you said John. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Jordan, you're so eager to you're so eager. Um, just, here's I'll just I'll be real quick about the offensive line since you're so eager. They did not play well as a group. However, I I don't know who to blame. Let me put it like that. Like there seemed to be missed assignments all up and down the offensive line. There were so many times where two guys would step inside and a defender would start to split them, and then they're trying to recover. And then there was times where their feet were getting tangled up. There was – it was just a mess. Like, I do not know who's in charge of that offensive line. As much as we have – as much as we've invested in the offensive line, at this point, nothing screams bad coaching more so than the offensive line. And something has to be done about Devlin. Either – I don't know. Either we take away um, – Deshaun setting his own protection, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe it's Devlin has just forgotten how to coach. But the offensive line has way too much talent, and they're actually fine when they actually get to the person they got to block. Like, they're actually above average when they get to the person they have to block. This isn't about their skill level. This isn't about their talent level. This is them not knowing their assignments, not knowing who to pick up, not knowing who to block. So, yeah, the offensive line is a mess, and it's not because of talent. Jordan. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Um, 
it's not a lack of talent. We have invested the most into our offensive line that we ever have. And we've got some good guys out there. And like you said, they can sustain their one-on-one blocks. When they have to deal with one dude, there's no stunts, no blitzes. It's all simple. It's easy. They, they're not getting out-talented, apart from Zach Fulton versus Chris Jones every once in a while, which that's just, it's going to happen, right? But where it comes into is exactly like you said, they have no, they seem like they don't know how to play with a unit. We talked all off-season about, oh, this is amazing. We get our starting five back. They're going to be, they're going to be gelling. It's going to be even better. We haven't seen that whatsoever. And to me, that step back that they've taken from last season to this season is, is I'm right with you. It's Mike Devlin. His prints are all over this offensive line. Lack of cohesion, lack of communication, whatever it is. Like the, the excuse for Devlin has always been, oh, he doesn't have any talent. Look at these guys you're giving him. Well, that's gone. That's out the window. We've got the most talented offensive line ever. And it's still shit, and they still can't handle a blitz. I would argue and we have one of the most talented offensive lines in the entire NFL. I'd say it's talent. Top, talent. Top. It's hard Not the top, but one of. Maybe top – no worse than top eight. I'd say top ten, but sure. I'd say top ten. It's hard because you got Sharping and, and Titus as sophomores, but I, I'm with you. Um, what was I going to say? The whole Deshaun thing, I've seen him point out blitzes. I've seen them slide the wrong way. I've seen wide receivers run the wrong routes. I'm sure Deshaun will probably miss a couple here and there. He's not perfect. But overall, it's more of an offensive line thing, and it's more of just they seem to not be able to communicate, like you said, and that's the biggest issue for me, and that seems to be coaching. And I, the, the worst part is I don't know if we're going to be able to fire our offensive line coach in the middle of the season. I, I don't remember that ever happening before, so that's what really discourages me. Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, Mike Devlin's not going anywhere midseason. Um, so he hasn't gone anywhere yet. So why would that suddenly change? That's, yeah, that's basically my thought. Um, and you know, the, they're, we're going to have to, they're going to have to find a way to put it together as far as from a unit perspective, you know, I'd like to see Nick Martin start to maybe, I, I don't know, cause I'm not there, but from a communication standpoint, Nick Martin seems to be, <clears throat> it seems that there needs to be better communication, better understanding of, of blitz pickups and, and responsibilities and assignments. Um, it seemed that last year that was fine. There was really no issues with that. And that, that's really, I think, ultimately why when we came into the season we were optimistic was as a unit when they were playing, uh, they were fine. And it started week one. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a a couple of weeks then they started to gel. It was an immediate thing. <clears throat> we saw improvements. So I'm not sure. You know, I'm not going to say Deshaun is the issue as far as blitz pickups, understanding and reading a defense, sliding the protection. Um, I will say Deshaun has to get rid of the ball at times, but we've known that to be an issue for Deshaun for, for the last four years. We know Deshaun holds on to the ball. Um, I also, Are you all about to start talking about Deshaun? I got something for you. Uh, well, this is for our YouTube, YouTube <laughs> people. We actually have the uh, – it's not well-made, but I've got the routes that all the receivers ran, and then the routes for uh, David Johnson. So I'll pull this up. When we start talking to him. Was well, that right? Because David Johnson ran a sluggo up the field, and I didn't see that on there. No, it's just the running plays. There's no. Oh, okay. There's no passing for him. Um, no, I'm, I mean, look, Deshaun. Here's I, I'm going to phrase it like this, and and I think Gordon, I think you'll I think you'll understand it a little bit better than what we were talking about in Slack. Deshaun is a forty million dollar man. We've seen extreme bright spots with Deshaun Watson. We've seen extreme talent and we've seen him overcome things in the past that you would not think a quarterback can typically overcome. 
my expectation for Deshaun entering this season was that he elevated everybody else around him, including the play calling. And I know that's hard to understand, but he's got to be able to do it. We've seen great quarterbacks do it. We've seen Russell Wilson without an offensive line for the last six years, seven years. We've seen Aaron Rodgers basically do it and win a Super Bowl. My biggest issue with Deshaun is just the fact that he does not anticipate throws. That's my biggest issue. He does not throw his wide receivers open. He waits for his wide receivers to be completely open. It's on film. The only time he throws is when the wide receiver is wide open. That is my biggest issue with Deshaun is that he does not anticipate throws. Now, I say that, and when your your, your wide receivers and tight ends are running option routes, I don't know how you can anticipate throws because I don't know if you know where they're going. So in, from a scheme perspective, that's going to be an issue. But, like, with the Jordan Akins play that I sent you, right, Jordan Akins ends up he, – he, he runs a post, but then he flattens it out. If Deshaun would have led him – with a continued post, there was no safety there. The corner was on the sideline line, uh, covering Brandon Cooks. It was just Akins and a linebacker. Had he had thrown that post and led Jordan Akins, that would have been better than what he did do. And so I guess that's the, the those are the issues that I have. And I'll I'll, I'll let you talk. Yeah. So you you kind of already talk, talked about it the. I, I do definitely see what you're saying about the anticipation. He will only throw it most of the time when they are cutting and already open, when they've made their cut. That's really what it is. And like you said, it's the option routes. I see – I am not. I don't know the play call on 100%, obviously, but I, I've seen plays where I believe players have been running wrong routes because you've got three guys right on top of each other, and that just makes absolutely no sense from a scheme-wise. I don't think anyone could be possibly that dumb, not even Bill O'Brien, to scheme it up that way. And so there are times where Deshaun Watson – here's the thing is Deshaun Watson doesn't have the trust – no, sorry, he doesn't trust his teammates right now. That's what I'm seeing. Number one, he does not trust his weapons to get open, to run the correct route, and to read the defense that leads them to running the correct route. Because on that Aikens one, like you said, at the top of his drop, before the pressure got there, before the pressure, top of his drop, Aikens is like right on the DB, but he has a little inside leverage. So while he's not completely open, like we've been talking about, most quarterbacks are going to be, not most, but the elite level quarterbacks are going to be able to anticipate that and throw him open, like you said. Deshaun, on the other hand, because he has it in his mind, is Aikens, is he running that post? Is he going to cut it back for and out? Is he going to stop it there and run a curl? So it takes that extra split second for him to be able to realize what is going on. And that's all it takes in the NFL is that split second. Then, boom, he had to run out the pocket because there's um, there pressure. So he doesn't trust his weapons, not to the T that needs needed to be happened for this scheme to work to its potential. That's number one. He doesn't trust the line. This is something we talked about um, when we were texting is he's running when he has a clean pocket. And that's not good. That was something that I saw out of rookie Deshaun. And that's fine. That's a rookie mistake. Tons of mobile quarterbacks do that. He improved upon that year two, year three. This year, I'm seeing a little bit of a slight a step back in these two games, specifically this Ravens game that I think was worse than the Chiefs game. And I get that because can you blame him for not trusting the offensive line? Against the Chiefs, they had a crazy like 53% pressure rate given up. That's insane. Every other play, there's someone in his face before he can get rid of the ball. I wouldn't trust the offensive line. 
I don't want to get injured. I just signed my contract. I want my money, right? So I get where he's coming from, that he does not trust the offensive line, so he's going to scramble out before he maybe needs to. And that's what's hurting the offense. Like you said, there are some throws that, okay, he can scramble out, but then he can reset his feet, make another throw. It's just the thing about the overall off- the overall problem with the offense is if there's one small problem, it all goes to shit. That's all it takes. If there's one small problem, if one person misses their block, if one person um, wrong, runs the route right, one runs the wrong route, god damn it. If Deshaun Watson doesn't see the one dude out of the four or five that are open, it's over. The play has no chance of working. And that seems like a horrible scheme issue out of Bill O'Brien. How can that be a thing if your entire offense falls apart if one player gets out executed or one player misses an assignment? That's horrible to me. And so I, I get where you're coming from. Deshaun should not be blameless. He is what we think he should be as an MVP-level quarterback to carry this team. But there's also just only so much that the man can do. I personally think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Deshaun is right now. That's because he's a veteran, and he's been seeing this for years and years and years and years. And Watson will get there. It takes time. It takes quarterbacks time. I think one thing we forget is quarterbacks are not just like just like that. Patrick Mahomes right out the gate. Even Patrick Mahomes had to sit, right? So Watson, like, he's not going to hit his prime until probably eight to ten years. Mentally. It's the mental aspects right now. It's those little quick decision-making things. And so I think if I were to, like, place the blame at, like, a percentages type of thing, I'd probably go, like, Offensive line, like 35%, play line, maybe 30%. What's that at? 65%. I'd say probably even just the execution errors, lack of getting open from the weapons, that's probably like 20%. And then the rest is Deshaun. He's not perfect. He may, he missed some throws. He missed that overthrow to David Johnson. He underthrew Brandon Cooks on that end. Those are little things that I think will come with some more practice time over the game. But then the other things like scrambling out of the pocket when he doesn't need to, um, maybe the some blitzes that he missed, that stuff that is more about the entire of the offense than just him, in my opinion. So then let me ask you this, since since we kind of have a, I think we're both on the same page. I, I think it sounded like we would be disagreeing, but I think ultimately I think we we are on the same page. Um, what are you eating there? How's it taste? Um, we made a little pasta salad. I don't know. Hey, um, how long, John, do you think it will take before this offense clicks because I can tell you right now, this matchup, while on paper, from an offensive perspective, the defense should be able to slow down Pittsburgh. But from a defensive perspective, from pressures, from blitzes, their defensive line, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, is this going to be? Is this going to be an opportunity for? Is this a get right game or is this a we still got stuff to get together game? I'm I'm not sure, to tell you the truth. Here's the thing. If I'm Tim Kelly, I'm pulling up the Patriots tape. I'm watching a whole bunch of how they used Cam Newton and a whole bunch of how they used Jacoby Brissett. Because we are currently trying to, to fit a square peg into a round hole. And the things that the – there's a couple of things we do exactly like the Patriots. So that fourth and one where we changed up the formation and ran the exact same play. That is a hallmark of the Patriots scheme, of the Bill O'Brien scheme. That's what they want to do. We don't run a lot of rounds. Um, part of the reason that I pulled up this thing to put on for the YouTube video and so they could see it is what 
one of the first things that you're going to notice is there's a lack of slant routes and there's a lack of screen routes. So last week I talked a little bit about how there's an art to play calling. So part of the art to play calling is not just using, like, you don't have to run to set up the pass. You can pass to set up the pass. I know that this is, like, blowing some people's mind, especially some of um, the older fans and older commentators. But what Tom Brady and the Patriots would do and what Bill O'Brien, I think, was trying to bring here, except, you know, we don't have any slant, <laughs> slant routes, is you throw those short slants, to your either your slot receiver or your tight end. And when those are covered, you throw your angled routes. You have your running back run a little angle route, which is essentially just around the tackle. And those short little passes, you just move, move, move. This slows down the blitz because linebackers can't leave, leave the middle of the field. And safeties will start to creep in in case the linebackers miss a tackle. So this opens up deep routes. And, you know, that's how you set up the – the pass with the pass like it's and it's part of its timing part of its fluid and the other thing that I was super excited about Bill O'Brien when he came here is what the Patriots would do is they go slow until they get mismatches once they have mismatches they would put their foot on the gas pedal keep that same personnel out there and just punish them when somebody's getting beat that one player is going to get absolutely owned we could have done that the entire game against Baltimore with Jordan Aikens, with whomever tried to cover him. Because everybody they rotated to cover, he was making them look absolutely stupid. And for whatever reason, the Texans and Bill O'Brien have this great, great habit of once something's working, to abandon it. Just run it. And, I mean, they'll run a player. They'll run David Johnson between the guards 20 times. Well, I mean, it was 14 times. But they'll run that same play over and over and over when it's not working. But those little, you know, short passes, seam routes to the tight end, keep throwing it to the tight end. They can't stop it. Jordan Aikens caught every single target he had. And they stopped throwing it to him, especially when it counted. I do not understand that. That's supposed to be the exact opposite of what they were supposed to bring in. If you cannot be stopped, you keep pushing that play until it can be stopped. And right now the Texans do not do that. And, I mean, our offense, honestly, is not that bad. 6.8 yards per, per play. This past game, it was 6.7 against the Chiefs. That's in the top end of the NFL, the NFL overall. We can't score, and we keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And I don't know who that starts with, but the guy that's getting paid all the money, the quarterback, is who it should end with. Hmm. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Jordan, I'll let you. I'll let you chime in. Um, yeah, so I guess talking about the whole Bill O'Brien, New England offense, like, I get the positives of it. I get the peaks. I get the high potential of it that you can completely dominate like the Patriots have done. But who else from that tree has been able to successfully run that scheme? No one. No one. You need a Belichick. You need a Brady. Two generational talents. And we think we have our Brady and Deshaun. We don't have our Belichick and Bill O'Brien. That's 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 plain as day, and that's what it comes down to. I believe this team is too difficult, too complex to consistently get down on a consistent basis. Because we saw the highs last year. We can destroy the Patriots one game, sure. We can go up twenty-four nothing on the Chiefs, sure. 
but it's not consistent. We also have the duds against the Broncos, against the Ravens, against the Ravens again. Like, I'm I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. I mean, honestly, do we have a bread and butter play? You know, when nothing else is working, we just go to that. It used to be the Yankee concept, but everybody and their mother knows that, that that's going to happen. So do we have anything else that, oh, no, the world's falling apart, but we're going to be able to convert on this and get Deshaun some rhythm? Here's one thing I will say. Um, I've seen these past two games so many repeated plays, so many identical plays. There's, like you've been saying, there's concepts that will repeat over in different formations, but I've also seen, like, identical plays. And someone told James a, a conspiracy theory that, oh, Bill O'Brien, he, he's holding back against these playoff teams. He's, he's not pulling out the full playbook. He's going to have it for later. Real it's quick, only week- real quick, before you even get into that, I had six more of those this week. Uh, in my DMs, and they were all worded differently, but basically they were saying, is Bill O'Brien treating this, these two games like a preseason game and getting ramped up and to avoid the injuries that we're seeing throughout the NFL? Yeah, so I, I'm far from a Bill O'Brien stan or whatever. I'm, th- I'm sure you all know where I stand on him, but if there was any conspiracy theory that I wanted to buy into, it's this. It's that he's holding back, that he's repeating these plays, he's playing down to what the world thinks that we are, and I, I hope to God damn, I hope that's what it is. I highly doubt it is. I, a coach would be stupid and idiotic to do that, in my personal opinion, but I hope that's what it is. I hope we see the full playbook later in the season, and, and he's just going to make everyone look silly. That's what I hope. No, I agree. I agree. I think, it, I think it's, it's kind of crazy, but then I saw the injuries on Sunday, and I thought, huh, that's that's one very big positive for us. So no, and that's like that was their message. They were like, "Are they just not going? Are they treating it like a preseason just to get in football shape, get hit, to ensure that they don't have these?" It's a conspiracy theory, but uh, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. But I don't think Bill O'Brien's that smart. I guess is my problem. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, but this guy, same guy, also said AJ Moore is trash. So I don't know if I can. I can trust that. I can trust that. Um, all right, David Johnson. He, uh, we're not using him properly. We're running him the same way we ran Lamar Miller. We 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 saw against the Chiefs. We thought that actually there was going to be some creativity with the run plays. I, I thought, oh, this is great. And then, uh, well, not this week. He literally had no running lanes. There was no stretch plays. Everything was in between the tackles. They didn't utilize his strengths. Um, what are – Well, he ran out of gas. I mean, I would too. He got hit by 87 guys within the first 10 snaps that he had. <laughs> I mean, he literally carried the entire pile in the third quarter. There was that one just straight behind the center, and for a good seven yards, the entire pile went with David Johnson. And I remember making the comment, oh, he's still running. He's still running angry. But yeah. C.J. Procise was the only other road back to get snaps, and he only got three. We can't do that to David Johnson. We need Duke. We need Duke back, and that'll be this week, and that's great. But uh, how about that sluggo, though? I mean, that it, it's not that the route itself, the way he ran the route, because, Jordan, you and I were both on the schematic open in, in Arizona, not the Christmas route runner. But then I saw that play, and I said, oh, oh. 
that is that is a route. Uh, think we'll see more of that, Jordan. I sure hope so. I I've realized how they run that play, and I thought it was the wrong play at first. But they he actually has an option on that. Um, he can it can be a, a curl. That's what it usually is, as kind of just a distraction as they go wide. Or if he reads it well, it can be a sluggo or a stop and go. And um, I I think they'll go back to that because they ran that exact same play twice that game. The exact same play when they have three crosses over the middle and then David Johnson just out wide and go. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll go back to it. I like Talking about the whole running game, like misusing him is one thing, but the bigger thing to me is like there's no running lanes. The offensive line run blocking is absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible. They're leaving him out to dry. Yeah. And with the creativity, like I don't get why we're just abandoning the two running back sets when Duke Johnson is gone. The whole point of bringing in CJ Procise is because he can do that stuff. He can be that second receiving back. I don't know why. Like, I guess he doesn't know the playbook yet. They can't trust him. But I believe David Johnson played 94% of the snaps, which... Here's something else that, that's killing David Johnson. We have absolutely passed on all run blocking. Like, all of our guys are predominantly pass blocking specialists. Jordan Akins is not a run blocking tight end. And I believe the thought behind that is you don't really need a lot of run blocking when you have a running quarterback, when you have an athletic quarterback that just naturally opens up lanes. However, we don't move the pocket or really use Deshaun enough to make that a viable threat. So they've got to figure something out. That's something else that just kind of goes with, again, Tim Kelly can still learn how to call plays, and I'm just terrified it's going to take him forever. But that's that instinct where you learn to set things up based on the players that you do have, and I'm just very concerned, and it's going to hurt David Johnson. He can't run. I think, what was it? Yeah, eight of the 11 rushes, rushing attempts he had were between the guards, and he cannot do that. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Um, anything else I'm missing on the offense? I know we're an hour and 10 minutes in, so. Um, we finally saw the top play to Cooks that we all wanted. That's just a quick thing. So we can just catch on the fact that Cooks and Cobb actually, you know, both got some catches. Um, Cooks 5 for 8 for 95, Cobb 5 for 6 for 59. They were both top 12 in separation. Like, they, they were out there doing work and they were being seen. Um, we don't really need to talk about Will Fuller being hurt because, you know, another day, Will Fuller is always hurt. Um, so, yeah, that's it. 2-14, uh, and 14, Manuel. 2-14. Uh, and 14. That's honestly what I believe in my gut. Um, all right. Uh, all right, question and answers. I guess, Jordan, let's, um, I guess, pick do like... We wanna, do we want to drop the thing so we can split it up? Yeah, go ahead. All right, maybe pick, like, the best six. I don't know if that's going to be possible because there's a lot. Um, there's a lot of good ones, dude. I don't envy you. There are a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with four that I have screenshotted right here. Okay. To, to get us all on with our nights. But uh, okay. First one from at Report Texans says, "Does the Sean need to have more urgency pre-snap? Oftentimes, I notice he likes to just stand back there with no urgency, waiting to call for the snap when clearly the defense is not set up." James, what do you think about that? Um, I definitely think he needs more urgency. Um, you know, he's the leader of the team, so they're gonna move as quick as as, as he moves. Um, you know, you have you have to remember just in his career, like he's always played with such high power offenses that he's never really had to have a sense of urgency. And, you know, things have always really just kind of worked well for him. So, um, you know, he definitely needs to pick it up, especially in, in situations like we were in in Baltimore 
specifically at the end of the half, I thought, you know, that there were things we could have done differently to extend the play time to be able to try to put one in the end zone before halftime. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you have to wonder what's being whispered in his head, right? Like, is he, is he even being told to go fast? I mean, does he need to be told to go fast? No, he doesn't. He should be able to do that. But we never know. For Bill O'Brien's sake, he could have been saying, go slow. Go slow. Take your time. I, I don't know. Um, but he definitely needs to, to to speed it up. He also needs to play uh, stop taking snaps under center and just staying in shotgun. Uh, I'm tired of seeing Deshaun under center. It bothers me. Um, yes. One thing I'll, I'll – say about this is the lack of urgency in terms of body language I'm all for that I, I, I don't like that whatsoever but in terms of reading the defense and then he particularly talked about like um, he's just kind of standing there looking at the defense when the defense clearly isn't snapped like or set sorry um, let's snap the ball right catch him off guard the thing about the offense is everything is on his shoulders everything he has to read every single player on the defense he has to know so much to audible the plays to everything like so there's so much on his shoulders that it, it'll take time for him to read the defense. And if the defense isn't set, he needs them to be set to see what he's supposed to see and see what type of routes he's supposed to run, what, where he's supposed to throw. That's the thing. If the defense isn't set, he doesn't know what picture they're going to give him. And so that's why it kind of takes him a little bit longer um, to, to get that going. And he doesn't, like, catch them off guard or anything. Um, next one from at Fire Bill O'Brien. <laughs> What happened? Jordan? Jordan? He hit his... There you go. We're good. He hit his lemon. He needs to pay his bill. (laughs) Send him some money. He said, thoughts on the snap distribution and on the defense? We kind of touched on this, but the second part is, why was Max Sharping benched? John? I don't don't know. Uh, Rumor is that he was getting something looked at, and Kalmante was out there and was doing all right, so they just kind of rolled with it. Correct. But, But I haven't seen anything solid one way or the next. Um, yeah, so rewatching the game, he he definitely it wasn't his best game. I will say that. I think Calais Campbell was a handful for him. But and he did and there were some plays where he gave up pressure, he was not good in the run game, he didn't have the his best game. But this is a sophomore. This is his second game of the season when the entire offensive line is playing like dog shit anyways. Why are you gonna mess with a young dude's confidence like that? It that made no sense to me whatsoever, and it's not like Kelamente is some some god that we've just been hiding on the bench. Like that pissed me off. All right, next one, I believe. Okay, this one's from Mars underscore three three eight. He said, "Name five people who shouldn't be starters." James, can you do that for us? Five people. Five. If you can't get five, maybe just three. I okay. thought this was a fun one. Uh, Winnie Merciless, uh, Brendan Scarlett. Um, no, I'm missing like an obvious one. So one of you guys, you're going to point it out and I'm going to be pissed. Um, no, I don't think there's really any. I think that's really about it for me. Yeah, those two. I mean, those are really the biggest issues. Um, yeah. I'd like to see AJ Moore get more snaps over Eric Murray, uh, you know, as a second safety when he is lined up in safety. But that's me just wishing. Yeah, I think the only other person I would say is is one of Dunn or Omenahu. I just I really do believe in PJ Hall, and it's not even as much as saying that they're playing horribly. It's more just that he's he's balling out. He's yeah. been the most disruptive interior defensive lineman. So that's the only dude I would add. 
Um, next one. We got, are the receivers not getting open or is it the line not holding up? Combination of both. James or John? I don't remember who it was. It's my turn. <laughs> my bad. I'm just cutting you off all day. Why, what, what's with it? Y'all don't want me to talk tonight. Um, well, I think that it's – Deshaun's got a little bit of happy feet. Um, he's got – last week he had the smallest pocket to throw from at time of throw. Um, I think McPhee was 3.68 yards on average, um, how close he was. 3.88 was Campbell. Judon was 4.07. Wolf was 4.24. The league average is 4.51. That's how close they are to him when he throws the ball. Now, Part of it is Deshaun is still, you know, bottom 10 and 2.83 seconds to throw. So that's not ideal. You usually want to get it closer to 2.4, to, between 2.4 and 2.6. But 2.8, I mean, comparatively isn't bad. He spent seasons over three. So he's got a, he's got a small pocket. Um, the receivers, he's, I don't know what kind of goes on with his reads. I don't know if he doesn't trust the receivers or if it's with the options routes, the receivers are running the wrong routes or what's going on there because there is separation there. We've said this time and time before. If you look at just the receivers and you don't look at the quarterback on the all 22, you see all sorts of separation. However, we don't know Deshaun's progressions. We don't know what the play design is. We don't know what route the receiver is supposed to run. So yeah, they're getting open, but we don't know everything that's going on in between, I guess. Cause yeah, um, I mean, Aikens is always open, like he really is. Um, and then this past game, both Cobb and Cooks, according to Next Gen Stats, were top twelve in separation. One was ten, one was twelve. I mean, they're not they're not bad. And the receivers aren't doing bad; they're just not on the same page with Watson. So this may get cleaned up. Yeah, I think you you hit it all on the head. It's it's basically just the entire offensive system that is there is definitely blame to go around. Um, last one before we get out of here. Um, from Pablo, this one's for James for sure. Will Kahale Waring ever play on this offense? No, he won't. I, I don't. Based on what we we're seeing so far, I, I don't see. Wow, the Lakers are only down four now. Um, I I don't um, I don't see a situation where Kahale plays in this offense this year. I think Aikens and Fells are the perfect one-two. Only way that Kali gets elevated, in my opinion, is if, uh, you know, Fells gets hurt or Aikens gets hurt. But I don't see anything happening from Kahale. And uh, it's a wasted draft pick at this point. You could have drafted a running back that would have maybe saved it to where you didn't have to trade for David Johnson or gotten rid of or gotten more in return. When you look at it, if you look back at just that decision to be able to do that. Um, uh, sorry, Cody. I know, I know you're struggling right now. It's okay. We're just on our – on our way to our 18th. Um, but um, I just, I don't know. I, 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 that, that draft pick still baffles me. And the fact that he hasn't gotten any playing time is just a whole nother thing. So I don't expect him to get on the field. I don't think he's smart enough football wise. And I think that's the issues that he has. And um, I, I don't see a reason for him to, I think Aikens and Phil's are the perfect combination, at least for this season, maybe next year. All right, that's that's all the questions I got. Again, I always ask this question out before the pod on Tuesday. Follow me on Texans underscore thoughts. Follow all these other dudes. John Wade, I am young Ari Gold, Preston, not Preston, the Patrick Storm. 
the Preston Storm would be kind of cool. Um, also, shout out to Cody. Cody hit me up with this amazing green screen that I will get set up properly. Um, he also does the website for us. He's kind of an unheralded dude, but big credit for him, big credit for Preston, big credit to our um, intern, Paul. Appreciate you. Also, Jair, killing it with the articles. Make sure to check out his recap of the Ravens game, kind of initial thoughts on that. And then tomorrow I should have a... Watson watched the article out for you guys, kind of recapping the entire offense, showing what went right, what went wrong. And then I'll have a video out later, either Wednesday or Thursday, probably Thursday, to be honest. But, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, and uh, make sure you guys uh, look at the Patreon as uh, we, you know, we do our Sunday instant reactions. On top of that, you guys will have the first uh, sneak peek into the interview with Quincy Avery, which I am doing tomorrow at 1230. Ah! So there will be a lot of questions about option routes. Deshaun's anticipation. I have a whole plethora of questions I'm going to ask him, and I'm hoping that we can get down to it. And I don't know if he's going to give me what I'm looking for. He's been with Deshaun for, I think, since he was 15. He's he's not he's not going to give us answers for everything that we're looking for. But he is going to give us some answers. And if anything, it will be off, off the, off the uh, recording, and I'll just have to fill you guys in on Slack and let the rest of the world wonder – what it actually is. So um, with that being said, you guys can follow us at um, everywhere that Jordan said, go to the website, go to that. Jordan's kind of threw me off. You did a good job, but you threw me off. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Uh, I'm, I'm young Ari Gold signing off for Texans on filter. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans unfiltered. We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.